The views and opinions expressed in the following episodes are those of the individuals and are not meant to insult or offend anyone. Jeez, dark and gloomy much? Are you trying to be an edgelord? Well, then how should I put it then? I don't know. How about... We come in peace. We mean no harm. We may spoil some things. We may swear a lot. (laughs) (laughs) So listener discretion is advised. putting up with our shitty singing yet again what are you talking about i'm the next frank sinatra for crying out loud true 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 <laughs> but yes no our episode if you didn't gather from our lovely intro is about rent i mean come on does it have to be about that i, I swear i'm good for the money you know <laughs> it's a few days away but i'm good for it i swear i swear <laughs> oh, you, oh you're talking about the musical Yes. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, you got it. <laughs> yeah, figured it out. All right. Uh, first, big shout out to our friend uh, Black White Check for intro and outro music. Yes. Deets in the show notes. And all right. So this is a bit of an early morning kind of recording for us. So, yeah, we were a little off key, a little pitchy, I dared say. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so this is going to be a bit of an interesting episode. Yeah. So to start it off, I gotta say, uh-huh. before I ever dated you, I the only time I heard about Rent was kind of as a joke thing from that Team America World Police uh, movie by Matt Stone and Trey Parker. Yeah. And, you know, if anyone who's seen the movie, you know, obviously, I'm, or at least if you enjoyed watching that movie like I did, it was more out of the just absurd kind of comedy and everything don't take it too seriously yeah because like yeah it delves into something where it was like yeah i just was like when i first heard the name rent i thought it was like oh how good could this be and then it's like what the hell is going on in team america world police and then dated you and saw the movie and thought oh this movie this musical is so much deeper than the name had led on Mm -hmm. uh what about you when was how did you kind of get uh well, I worked at the video store at the time, right? Okay. So, it was 2005. As we've established. <laughs> it was 2005. And uh, <coughs> it had, uh, it was coming to the theater, like the actual feature film version of it. So, me and my friend went and saw it in the movie theater. And that's it. I was done. Yeah. I was a rent hit for life. Yeah. Remember going to the theaters and stuff? No. Yeah. I do, but I mean... It's not my thing. So. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, 
Yeah, just thinking about those old days when it was like, yeah, you just bought a ticket to go see a movie, you bought your pop popcorn, and you watched that awesome movie with like the huge surround sound and everything. Really great experience, mm-hmm. but they're coming back. They're coming back. Me. Yeah. Uh, okay, so let's delve a little bit into it. Okay. So, where do you who... want to start? My question is, who was the main character again? Because I've only seen it once with you. Okay. And so I'm kind of like, uh, I know, I think this movie is supposed to be like kind of a musically lie or uh, rendition of real events. Sort of. Semi-real. Like, that's what I mean. It's like, it's one of those things where it's like, it, when a movie ever says based on a true story or based on true events. It doesn't. This does not say that. No, 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 no. But I'm saying in movies in oh, general, yeah. whenever they say based on a true story or true events, like it's something like only like what, 20% or something like that has to be factually based on what happened. Oh, I'm not even sure that much. <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of the thing. Like when it says based on it, it's yeah. like, okay, yeah. So it's like, this might be based on real events, but of course that still leaves room for like creative uh, differences than what really happened. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, who is the main character? Because to me, there were so many big characters in this story. I was like, um, is this person the main character? Well, that's just it. Uh, there were lots of main characters in that film. Um, mm-hmm. Sorry. <laughs> What'd you do? I don't know. Somehow everything that I had open closed. <laughs> oh, jeez. It's okay. I got it here. Okay, so... Okay, so we're going to go off the film version of it. Just because Broadway, there was obviously so many people who came through and played all these characters, right? Mm -hmm. Some of these uh, actors that were in the film also did play... In the Broadway? In the Broadway. Um, But since not everybody can afford to fly out to New York to go see the musical, because I don't know how much a a ticket for a musical showing is, but I've heard it's quite expensive. Uh, More money than we have, I'll say that. (laughs) You can see quite a lot of movies uh, at your local theater for the same price as what, even just the price of one of these uh, Mm. theater tickets would be. Yeah. So that's where it's like, I think most people would have seen the movie version over seeing the, uh, it's not opera, but musical. Yeah. Yes. The Broadway version. The Broadway, yes. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, okay. So, like most musicals, they don't have just, like, one main character, right? Like, if you look at Hamilton, it was named after <laughs> Hamilton, but he was, by all means, not the only main character, right? Because you had George Washington, you had his wife, yeah, Hamilton's uh, wife, right? Yeah, there was a lot of characters. Yeah. Um, there, Like, even Aaron Burr, he was quite the big character who was in a lot of scenes. Yes. And... So... I don't, I would, it's hard to say that, like, any one of these people were, like, the main characters, but you do have, like, your main ensemble cast, if you will, right? Yeah. So, we've got, um, Angel, Dumont, Shanad, (laughs) who was played by, in the film version, uh, Wilson, Jermaine... Uh, Heredia? I think that's how you say his last name. Sorry if I pronounced it wrong. Um, then you've got Anthony Rapp, who played Mark Cohen. Mm-hmm. Adam Pascal, 
who played Roger Davis. Okay. I'm not going to pull a John Travolta here. <laughs> Idina Menzel. Beautiful voice she has. Oh, yeah. She played Maureen Johnson. Sorry, just curious. Uh, you're not going to pull a what? Oh, at an awards show, he had to, John Travolta had to announce her and he got his her name way wrong. Oh. <laughs> yes. So I was Whoops. like, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> See, that goes to show. Don't put so much pressure on yourself. It's like somebody who, I can only imagine how many scripts and everything John Travolta's read, how many people he's met. Mm. You'd think that name wouldn't be too hard for him. And even he botches it sometimes. True. So, you know. Even the ce- celebs have some of those days, right? Exactly. And like, I, like I'm sure most people will realize that the stuff we touch on and it's like if we mispronounce names, it's not out of disrespect. It's out of goofing up. Yes. I, okay. I think that's the nicest way or just outright our tongue just decides to wrestle with itself and uh, it just gets completely fucked up. Exactly. So then you got Jesse L. Martin. Yeah. Who played Tom Collins, also known as just Collins in the film. I think there's actually a drink called the Tom Collins, too. Probably. Yeah. Uh, then you got Tay Diggs, who played Benjamin Coffin the Third. <laughs> Again, I always lo- love that whole the third name, because I just keep thinking of that whole situation of like, uh, yes, my father was the second, and my grandfather was the first. Oh, <laughs> Very pious and very uh, renowned and everything. It's like, maybe, how funny would it be if just someone randomly in their family was like, oh yeah, well, here's little Timmy Benson the fourth and everything. And it's like, how many uh, Timmy Bensons have you had throughout your family? Oh, none. We just decided to call him the fourth for no reason. <laughs> That's funny. Um, Rosario Dawson. Mm-hmm. Um, she played Mimi. Yes, very good voice and very talented actress in the film. Mm-hmm. And then oh, another lady with a killer voice. I mean, everybody in the film has a killer voice. That's part of it. I Tra- mean, you go into a musical, <laughs> you're going to have some chops. Right. Or... Yeah. Uh, Tracy Toms. Yeah. And she played Joanne Jefferson, I believe was Joanne's last name in the film. But yeah. So that's your ensemble cast. Mm-hmm. The big, uh, the big hitters, the big names. Yes. Okay. So here's a question for you because I know that was it. Mark and I think Roger were like, kind of, the two guys were like I couldn't figure out which one this was more based around because Mark I think was like I'm not sure who he was based off of, but I don't think he was based off of like anyone. Okay. Like so, before we get into this, let's kind of get into like the person who wrote this. Ah, yes, the reason for this incredible thing existing. Yeah, so Jonathan Larson, right, was the guy who wrote this play originally, right? Yeah. Well, that, that's what you're telling me. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm hoping this is true. It's credited in the film. It's, you know, mentioned numerous times with other things. Yeah, and stuff. So basically, what Rent is meant to be is an updated version of an opera, right? Called La Boheme. Wasn't there a song in the Rent musical? Yes, it was called La Vie Boheme. Ah, yes. So it was a little different. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. I could have sworn they were singing La B-O-M or something like that. Or maybe... It was La B-O-M. Yeah. Yeah. And stuff. So basically that play is about like the bohemian lifestyle. Right. Back in the 1830s. Okay. Now, when you say the bohemian lifestyle, I have no idea what that is. The only time I've heard bohemian before really is... Bohemian Rhapsody. It's an unconventional lifestyle. Oh, okay. Right. It involves musical... (laughs) What? So then what does Rhapsody mean? Oh, I don't know. (laughs) So it's unconventional and then Rhapsody, so it's like... Music. I I think Rhapsody means music. Oh, okay. Um, But yeah, so anyway, it's like a French opera about people who live in an unconventional lifestyle, right? Involves music, art, literary, literacy, right? Spiritual pursuits. They're more like wanderers, adventurers, and vagabonds, right? It's kind of what bohemianism is and stuff. So this was meant to be like an updated version of that, mm-hmm. right? Um, so, so, yeah. Originally, this guy named Billy um, Aronson, who was a playwright, he was the one who came up with the idea. Right. Mm, good old Billy, yes. <laughs> so he contacted uh, a guy named um, Ira Wetzman with the idea and asked him about any collaborators he might know of. And Ira put him in touch with Jonathan. Right. So they were collaborating on this and whatnot, but basically... Jonathan asked if he could make this more of an autobiographical, or at least have autobiographical aspects in it, of his life, right? At the time, he was living in um, the Upper West Side, or sorry, the downtown New York. Okay. Right. And for a while, like, he legitimately had a illegal wood-burning stove in his apartment because of lack of the heat. Oh. And stuff, right? So... Aronson agreed, right? And they, that's kind of how that became the way it was, right? And they actually ended up moving the um, setting of it again. So not from, not in Soho, but then to Alphabet City on the East Village of New York, right? Hmm. And stuff. But part of the autobiographical, if you will, things in the film were dealing with things like AIDS, right? Jonathan was losing a lot of friends to AIDS very quickly. This was the early 90s. Yeah, so just kind of like how heartfelt it was. And um, when this movie shows you that it's like how much this was affecting a lot of people. Yeah. And especially back in the early 90s when this was all based around. Mm -hmm. That it was... Was the LGBTQ community around... Uh, back then, or at least I don't think they had... I, I mean, I'm assuming that the LGBTQ plus community has probably been around for, like, quite a while. Whether they've been respected and gotten the respect they deserve is another thing, right? Yeah, and that's one of the things about this movie that kind of delves into is it shows you that it's, like, really, once you kind of remove that whole what somebody's sexual orientation is away from it, everybody just wants to live... <laughs> 
happy, fulfill, uh, in, you know, joyful lives. Yes. And it's like the whole goes to show how heartbreaking this was, especially to this community that was, in all honesty, being very disrespected and, you know, treated as outcasts or, you know, uh, vagrants or so, just just horror. Like, you know, they were treated as subhuman almost. Is that is that not unfair to say? No. I mean, I still think that there's a lot of prejudice out there nowadays, right? Oh, yeah. No, I'm just saying back then it was yeah. like it was a lot worse. Not that it's like greater spectacular today. It's just 30-ish years ago that it was even worse. Yeah. So, like, one of the things that I think Jonathan did a really good job of, too, was inclusion in his film, right? He included that it didn't matter if you were... A man or a woman or trans, you could have AIDS. And that was something that was becoming more, I think, to the forefront in the 90s, but it was not totally understood by everyone. Yes. And I don't think it was totally understood yet by at least mainstream society, how AIDS was spread and things like that, right? So there was a lot of... Um, Misinformation or... Misinformation and a lot of like... Um... Prejudice? Yes. Thank you. Prejudice. <laughs> Sorry, I was trying to think of the word. It's I, I, I'm it's just not morning. quite... Yeah, I'm not quite sure what words uh, to exactly emphasize with. So that's why I'm trying to be very cautious and slow with my words. Yeah. No, you're doing you're doing great. Um, thank you like, for like, your help. And like, uh, you just want to make this a public, you know, statement and everything. Anybody yeah. that's part of the LGBTQ plus community... It's like, hey, you know, I respect you. You deserve as much a voice and right to live as anybody else. Like, it's just, I'm an idiot, uh, you know, trying to make people laugh and have a good time and everything. So can we get back to math where it's like numbers don't really judge me? Numbers are nice. Yeah. They don't have feelings. They just tell, they tell what they are. <laughs> I, I feel safe with numbers. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, moving on, TM. Yeah, so he definitely, I mean... <laughs> You've just given up at this point. I just can't with you. <laughs> I can't with you right now. Hey, what can I say? It's early morning and I'm just having my coffee, so yeah. Um, yeah, so I definitely, like, part of the reason why I love this movie so much is just because it's it's all these people who just want, at the end of the day, to see the best for each other, right? And stuff, and to just live, like... Um, life that anyone deserves to live, right? Yeah, like I said, it's, once you remove some of these differences that are so minute in most regards, it's yeah. kind of like everybody just wants to live happy, joyful, meaningful lives. Yeah. It's like, who, you know, who, like, how, whatever joyful and happy means to you, as long as you are not mentally or physically hurting or abusing somebody... Uh, you know, I don't think that's really any of any my opinion of what you do. Yeah. It's like some people like to collect porcelain, you know, animal figures. Some people like to, you know, collect stamps or something. It's like... Some people like to collect Grogu's. Exactly. Well, I mean, I, I like to collect Grogu's too, but also X-Wings. So, I mean, you know, everybody has their thing. And, it, like, you know, it's like everyone's nerdy about something in a way. As long as it's not violence, both mentally or physically. Yeah. You do you, bud. I'll do me. Let's, you know. Let's just enjoy. be friends, enjoy each other's company, you know. Exactly. And stuff, for sure. So, Rent was a staged reading in 93. 
right? At like, I guess before things can possibly hit Broadway or whatever, they have like theater workshop reading things um, in New York. Um, and then there was like a studio production that was played three weeks. Uh, it did three weeks, so like a year later, right? But I guess um, the version that we know and that the world knows of Rent that wasn't actually ever performed publicly before Jonathan Larson unfortunately passed away. Yeah, R.I.P. Mm-hmm. Um, so it premiered... This is what's crazy, okay. He passed away in his home on January 25th, 1996. Mm-hmm. The day of Rent's first off-Broadway preview performance. Yeah, that's that's really like sad and horrible timing. Yeah, so this is what's really unfortunate about it. And again, this was in the '90s. Medical technology is much better now. But he suffered an aortic um, d- dissection, right? Which basically is when the innermost layers of the aorta allow blood to flow like between the layers and then it like forces the layers of the walls apart right medical terminology well i wanted to kind of <laughs> yeah like it, no, it no, basically no. tears the walls apart right i know i just if anybody out there who has studied uh medicines or uh the physiology of this kind of stuff is like they might be like you're really dumbing it down or whatever, and it's like, well, that's because that's as good as we can get. We're pretty dumb behind the mic when it comes to a lot of things. So, I'm just saying we have the humility to admit that it's like this. We mess up names. We might mess up medical terms and everything. Yeah. We're just you know, but this is actual real life science stuff that we're trying to you know make sure yeah. that it's like this is unfortunately what happened to him and how did this he end up with this aortic. Uh, dysfunction, you said? Dissection. Dissection. See, even I'm messing up right now. <laughs> You're good. Um, so it was, they believed that he had um, an undiagnosed condition that was caused, uh, that was, sorry, that was called um, Marfan syndrome. Or Marfan syndrome. MFS is what it's known as, and it's rare. It's a multi-systematic genetic disorder, right? And it typically affects connective tissues. So... Um, in the days leading up to his death, he had actually been suffering, suffering severe chest pains. And like, if you guys own Rent, and you've never watched the special features, there's a whole documentary about this. That's how very hard, like tugs at the heartstrings. That's yeah, and stuff. But he, sorry, anyway, he was suffering chest pains, shortness of breath. Um, but unfortunately, the doctors at the medical center, and I'm not gonna say where. <laughs> He went because at this point, it doesn't matter. And also, I don't think we should hold it against those medical centers. But he went to two different medical centers. And they couldn't find any signs of, like, a natal ortic dissension, right? And they had done x-rays and um, ECGs, electrocardiographs, mm-hmm. right? And electrocardiograms. Um, so they kind of just thought it was the flu and stress right so which he, i mean for the most part that's kind of like <coughs> uh looks like a duck walks like a duck but barks like a dog 
kind of thing. It's like, yeah, you misdiagnose something just because, like, a one little detail is off or something. And, yeah. Or you, you just have an incomplete piece of information. And there's even theories that if it had been properly diagnosed and treated, he would have survived back then. Potentially, yeah. Or potentially. Yeah, theoretically. He may have lived, right, with a surgical repair, but unfortunately, like you said, like they're not going to bring someone in for heart surgery if they don't see anything wrong with your heart, right? Yeah, that old saying, "Don't if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah. So, that was super unfortunate. Um, it was a really, the first, ta- uh, the first reading that they did of it, uh, Jonathan's parents and family were there, actually, and... Yeah, I guess it was super, like, heart-wrenching and stuff. So, anyway, getting into... The actual right. performance, yes. Okay. That was a good little detour. But, and I, do, I don't mean that sarta- sarcastically or... Sarcastically? Yeah, sar- sarcastically. Whichever. Sarcastic, sarcastic. I know what you mean. Yeah, uh, you know, not to say that it was uh, anything bad about... Uh, Jonathan there. About, no. no. No, it was the whole... Nothing like, bad about him. Yeah, no, I, I, but I mean, don't, I don't mean to sound facetious or anything when oh. I say the whole, that was a good little detour. It was like, yeah. no, 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 it was a good detour because it kind of lays down the framework of what happened in Rent, which was a bit of a mind-blowing thing for me with regards to, it was like, oh, this is so much more than I thought it was going to be based on the title. Yeah. However, I have one thing that I just want to say that when it came to that very opening, the 525,600 minutes? Yeah. Well, that's only right three out of four years. Once a year it goes, 527,040 <laughs> minutes. How do you measure, measure a leap year? Mm-hmm. I'm just including all the numbers here. Because like I said, I like numbers. Numbers don't judge me. And I was like, I'm including them. So, yay, they're my friends. Mm-hmm. Okay, anyways, I'm done being a goober on that whole thing. Yeah, um, but yeah, I know the intro there, like the piano that starts playing. Uh, I know I've told you, but I don't think I've said on this podcast, I think the piano is one of those instruments that can convey such raw, powerful emotion that it's such a universal thing. Like if you, like Flight of the Valkyries or something, or maybe, the, I don't think it was in Flight of the Valkyrie, but... Uh, a lot of Beethoven stuff. Uh, there's times where it's like when you need it to be like soft, somber, yeah. you know, uh, kind of thing. You throw a violin in with it and stuff. The piano is kind of like, I want to say, the like butter or mayo of any basic sandwich. Yeah. It, it, it's something where it's like it just is the good foundation to make something really tough, like hit an emotional level where it's like it's really important. Yeah. And, yeah, it's like how even a lot of studios and everything, you see them using electric keyboards. So it's like the piano, even though it's been updated and revolutionized in many ways, it's still a pivotal part of music. Mm-hmm. Like we see Rumi Official. He, uh, like, tests out what sounds he's using because he's using a piano. Yeah. Moving on again, TM. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, All right, so let's get into what the play is actually about, the meat of the play here. All right. Sorry, I'm just nerding out here about musical instruments. No, you're good. (laughs) So, essentially, the film opens up. You meet Mark and you meet Roger. They're roommates. Mark's a filmmaker. Roger's a struggling musician. Right. Mm -hmm. And stuff. Um, You end up learning that uh, Mark's ex-girlfriend, Maureen, dumped him for 
Joanne, yeah. a lawyer, right, and stuff. But he's got to go help her tune up some equipment for this protest thing that she's going to do <laughs> um, and whatnot. And Roger ends up meeting Mimi, tenant who lives in their building, right? Yeah. And stuff, who is also a drug addict. And they are immediately attracted to each other. They end up learning that they're both HIV positive. Right. So they already know they have that in common. Mm -hmm. They have uh, some similarities in their pasts. Yeah, and stuff. And then also you end up learning that um, Roger's last girlfriend had unalived herself. I, I... Completed suicide. No, I'm no, not no. sure the right terms to be used nowadays. Uh, Cancelled their subscription to life, I think, is a good one, isn't it? No, that's really insensitive, actually. Okay. Um, sorry. Uh, I was trying to think of, like, because, un like, unalive to me uh, themselves, uh, just how, like, to me, that's, like, the whole... Uh, I know I know, because, like, a lot of, like, YouTubers and TikTokers will use that one, because to say the horrible thing of, you know... Completed suicide. Yeah. And stuff like that. So it's like a lot of people try to lighten it up and everything. And it's like, no matter how you look at it, it's something tragic and awful. And yeah. it's really sad. I'm just like the whole, I don't know. It's like if we're going to put a fun spin on it or try to make it less I don't think impactful. you ever play a, put a fun spin on it. Well, I mean, just the, someone says, oh, unalive this or whatever. And it's like, um, you, okay. It, I'm just I'm just saying is that it doesn't sound right and it just sounds like it's undermining the fact that it's something horrible, something awful, and it's really heartbreaking. Uh-huh. Anyways, moving on. Yeah. So then so. we also meet Tom Collins, who used to be a roommate of theirs, I believe, and is also a professor. And that's when we meet Angel. Mm-hmm. Now, Angel is actually, like, one of my favorite characters in this whole thing. I love Angel. They're, uh, really good at playing the drums, let me tell you. <laughs> and I absolutely love that, uh, when Angel and, was it Reese, I believe? Angel was, was Angel dating Reese, the, or? Who? There's no Reese. Or who was, uh, Angel dating that, uh, they were talking about the thousand sweet kisses and stuff? Tom Collins. Oh, yeah, Tom. Yeah, or Collins. Uh, when they were going through kind of like the street markets and stuff like that, and they were singing and mm -hmm. talking about all the things that they would do and everything. And it was like, oh, like they're thinking of the future and everything's so happy and everything. And it was like this really sweet and wonderful moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so. it was very, very nice, right? And stuff. So, I mean, it's kind of, <sighs> that's what it's about. It's about like all these people just trying to navigate through life. Some of them having HIV, some of them having drug problems, right? Um, and stuff. Unfortunately, things go from bad to worse. Yeah. So, like, Benjamin Coffin the third wants to <laughs> evict fucking Benny. He's also known as Benny, but um, he wants to evict them out of their apartment. Right, and stuff, unless they basically do what he wants when it comes to, like, paying the rent and stuff, right? So, anyway, they end up, things fell apart, right? Angel ends up dying. 
Yeah, which was uh, very... Heartbreaking. Yeah. I felt. Um, Roger isn't talking to Mimi anymore because he caught her doing drugs. Right after she had been clean. Mark is working for Budsline. Which is like a trashy tabloid, if you will. <laughs> but he, at least he's making money, right? Yeah. And stuff, but... um. It's one of those things where it's like the what people do for money kind of thing. It's like hmm. the things sometimes, yeah. But <clears throat> I mean, it ends up working out, I guess. Right? Like, oh yeah, and I just more mean like the the thing that really was uh, sad for Mark working for that uh, Buzz line. Was it yeah. called? It was like yeah, it's like when people, you know, it's like they like. They're like, oh, I'd never work for this place, or I'd never do that, and everything. And it's like, well, once you're once push comes to shove kind of thing, there's a lot of things people will do for money, and it's kind of like the whole, even if it's against like moral principles of like, I'm gonna be, you know, this kind of uh, journalist or something in his case, or you know, what some people are like, oh well, um, I've done certain uh, educational things and I progressed this far and everything, and it's yeah. beneath me to do. And it's like, yeah, but. When the bills start piling up and everything, it's like what you have to do and what you're willing to do or can kind of get a little blurry on the lines. No, definitely, right? So and... it wasn't like Mark was like, oh, I'm happy now. It's like, no, this is the way it's got to go, bud, unless, you know, things just, you want things to get even worse. Mm -hmm. And stuff. So basically, Roger leaves for a while. He goes to, like, Santa Fe, which is something that they had sung about going and doing before, right? And stuff. Um, Mimi actually goes to rehab and stuff. Uh, Joanne and Maureen had gotten back together and whatnot. And Roger goes off to write this song because he wants to write a song that he'll be remembered for before he dies and stuff. Um, eventually. Because, like, he does have HIV, right? Yeah. And stuff. But then he comes back and everything works out and... Like, it looks like Mimi's going to die, but she doesn't. And then everybody has, like, a happy moment at the end. Well, and, like, what was even, like, especially heartbreaking at that moment was, uh, I think, right as she was, like, about to die and then she comes back, that... Roger uh, showed up. Well, Roger showed up, but also um, she was saying that... Uh, she saw Angel. Yes, yeah. and Angel told her to go see that boy and... Yes. ...kind of thing, and it was like, oh... It's like Angel's still there, even if they're not there in person. Angel's watching over, man. Exactly. And it was like, that was one of those one moments where it was like, again, this whole, once you remove those whole labels and stuff like that, it's like people just want to be happy and live good, fulfilling lives and be with people that they love and care about. Yeah. It's like, a, you know, it's... I'm I'm just gonna drop it there because I'm I'm sure I've said it many times now and it's like okay people are like we get it you jerk it's like people want to be happy and fulfilled and yeah I'm I'm sorry no it's good I mean you're not wrong and it's a lot of the message within the play right like, there is literally a song that's called No Day But Today right in that movie and in the play. And it's legitimately, like, there's no date, you know. Mm -hmm. um, 
What you doing? I was looking for... I thought maybe we could play a little bit of that song instead of singing it and ruining everyone's ears. There is no future There is no Couldn't help but notice you uh, tried to sing along a little there. It was like, adorable. Oh, I just couldn't help myself. I, I just love it. Mm -hmm. It's such a nice... Like you said, you know, you're a redhead who's also a redhead. Exactly. <laughs> so... Um, But I definitely... I think the message that this... I think one of the reasons this is my one of my favorite plays is because of the message that it passes along, right? Mm-hmm. Which is, don't... Don't forget to tell people that you love them. Don't forget to do the things in life that you want to do because you never know. And that's what makes Jonathan Larson's death so much more tragic mm -hmm. is that's literally the story of this play, right? And then he, like, before it became what it became, he just, he was gone. Yeah. And it's unfortunate. I feel for his family, you know, I feel for his coworkers. The people who are in his, you know, play. Yeah. But I think it makes it that much more special, you know? Yeah. And actually, um, the whole, that actually reminds me of um, a tattoo that I saw on someone's forearm. Yeah. And it goes, every saint has a past, every sinner has a future. Exactly. So right. it's kind of one of those things where it's like the whole, nobody's perfect, uh, everybody has their, uh, past or struggles, right? Like, and they can be a little, like, a, uh, what would be the word, um, for like weird, but they love how weird they are, like oh. eccentric or something. Is that the eccentric? Word? Yeah. Eccentric. Yeah. Uh, you know, stuff like that. It's like, just because, you know, two people don't jive together perfectly and everything, that's not like. It's not a fault on either one of those people. It's yeah. just, hey, that's just the way things go or people are, you know. Sometimes you just got to be like, hey, you know, I just don't see us being friends or whatever. Have a nice day and enjoy your life kind of thing. Just move on. But if you find somebody who compliments you and you work, you know, you are not work, but like you live, you can see yourself enjoying things in life together. Yeah. Why not be happy together? Just saying, the whole, there's a lot more to life than, you know, all these tiny little differences people nitpick over. Mm -hmm. That's just kind of my takeaway and my interpretation of this musical. Yeah. And I think it's a very important lesson that a lot of people don't quite maybe appreciate or at least don't take to heart very much. Yeah. And that's the sad thing. No, definitely. And that's why we've been together for nine years. Because we have our little differences, but we can see past those. And nine years or uh, nine years feels like it's been thirty. Rude. <laughs> you sir are rude. <laughs> <laughs> 
but you know me after all these years. It's yes. like, that's completely joking. So it's like, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, if people heard some of the jokes I made off podcast, they'd be like, oh my God, does he even love you at all? Yeah. And it's like, he eh. does. Some days you question it, but most of the time you're like, eh, no. Yeah, I never question it. <laughs> Not ever. <laughs> um, so I just want to wrap it up by saying that rent actually went on, so it was one of the longest uh, pr- productions that was on Broadway. It ran for 12 years. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, so it was the longest uh, performing... One of the longest. Okay running shows on Broadway. And then it also won so many awards. Oh, yeah. Pulitzer Prize for Drama, Tony Award for Best Musical, Tony Award for Best Book of a Musical, Tony Award for Best Original Score, uh, Drama Desk Award for Outstanding Musical, uh, Drama Desk Award for Outstanding Book of a Musical, Drama Desk Award for Outstanding Musical, Drama Desk Award for Outstanding Lyrics, so, you know, it it's a edgy kind of, uh, like, it pushes the, en- like, for the time, it yeah. pushed the envelope on some things, but it wasn't, um, like, super cringy, like, how some things have ever been trying to touch on this subject. This one was very much about love and happiness mm-hmm. and about trying to just make it through this crazy world. Yes. And stuff. So I definitely, definitely recommend if you haven't seen it to go see it. Um, I definitely think it's worth it. And yeah, I love it. Oh, and there's a new film out uh, about Jonathan Larson, actually. I was just going to say, before you uh, wrap this up and everything, I was like, um, tick, tick, boom. Good call. You know, I saw you. I could feel you looking at me, and I'm like, what am I forgetting? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so there's actually, I guess it's not new, new. It came out in November of 2021. It's on Netflix. So if you found anything that I was kind of talking about interesting about. Not new, new. Uh, baby, that's only like two, maybe three months old now. I know. I'm just saying. Our listeners might have already heard it, though. I know, but it's I've at the same it. time, it's that whole, like, it's actually a relatively new film. Yes. And it's directed by one of our very favorite people in the entire world. Lin-Manuel Miranda? You bet. Yeah. And stuff. So, Tick, Tick, Boom was another, it was an autobiographical musical um, that Jonathan Larson wrote. And he actually wrote it, I believe, before Rent. It was something that was... I think it transformed its kind of as he was writing it. So it was originally 3090 was the original title of it. And then ah, it changed to something else. I can't remember what it was. And then finally, I think he settled on the title of Tick, Tick, Boom. But what's crazy is this wasn't even released to theater, um, like as a play or whatever, until 2001. Quite a few years after he passed away. Right. Yeah, there, there's there been some time sent between. Yeah. Uh, okay, and first of all, want to start off with uh, a bit of an underappreciated actor, I think, in some ways. Because I don't think he's had a role that many people uh, respected in some regards. Yeah. Is Andrew Garfield playing Jonathan. Mm-hmm. 
And then you've got Vanessa Hudgens playing uh, Caressa Johnson. Mm-hmm. Now, we haven't seen the film yet because I legitimately just found out of I don't know where I was, guys. I was sleeping. Let me tell you. <laughs> because normally this kind of shit hits my radar like you wouldn't believe. But I... Well, it wasn't until I was doing just like some double checking of facts and a little bit of extra research for this podcast that I found out about Tick, Tick, Boom. And we just did not have time to watch it before we recorded. But let me tell you, we're going to be watching it because Jonathan Larson, Lynn Miranda... Or Lin Manuel Miranda, sorry, LMM, also, as he's known. I, how could you not watch that? How could you not? Yeah. Right. So we've also got a, uh, Alexandra Shirt uh, Ship playing Susan Wilson. Robin D. Jesus. Uh, yep. Uh, playing Michael, and Jordan Fisher playing Simon. There's a lot of other staff. Uh, or, sorry, uh, stars on this. I just don't know how many of them are, like, an ensemble cast and how many are not. However, when you were watching the trailer and as soon as I saw him, I was like, okay, I recognize this guy. He's been in a lot of stuff. Not his main characters and stuff, Mm -hmm. but I love it whenever this guy comes into something. Richard Kind. Ah, yes, Richard Kind. He he did have a big role. What was that? Uh, Spin City, I believe. That's where I always remember him from. Well, he also, like, he plays, um, like, the dad, I think, uh, for one of the kids in Big Mouth. But I most remember him and his face from Stargate Atlantis, Mm. where he's actually kind of a bit of a con artist. But he's that con artist where it's like, he makes people, like, like him. And, you know, it's like, ah, I'm the greatest thing and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, it's like when you kind of hear about the stuff that he does, it's like, oh, this is a little sketchy and blah, blah, blah. It's like... But, mm-hmm. you know, um, oh, and if I'm not mistaken, I, I'm willing to bet dollars to donuts here that he played Tom in Tom and Jerry in the 1992 film animated. Oh, yeah. That's one of my favorite movies, by the way. Mm-hmm. My babe, Tiana, bought it for me one year for my birthday, and it made me so happy because I owned it on VHS, <laughs> but I was never able to find it on DVD, and then she did. Exactly. All right, well, I think we kind of, you know, didn't really touch too much on uh, rent in some regards. What do you mean? Well, I mean, just... uh... Yeah, I guess you're right. I just want to, I guess maybe ask you, because I don't think we really got into it. What was your takeaway from the film? Because we already kind of went into mine. Um... Well, I mean, aside from the fact, like I said, that every, like the, you know, if you remove those differences and everything like that about people, um, and then just wanting to live happy lives and stuff, I think one of the biggest takeaways that I had was that music is something where it's like, if you just, uh, how to put it, like if you listen to lyric, like uh, a song out of the context of like certain situations or whatever, it can be something very moving, empowering and stuff like that. And that's why it's like, honestly, I thought I was having troubles telling whether it's like, is Mark or Roger the main character? Cause like, you know, you start, start off with them. And usually with movies, you start with most movies, you start off with the main character showing up in like the first couple scenes. Yeah. And that's why I was like, okay, who is the main character based around this story type thing? 
I couldn't tell off the hop and everything. And of course, it's like, oh, there's so many characters that it's hard to say who the main character is. Yeah, once you realize it's more of a play-based movie, you're like, oh, wait, there isn't really just one main character. Exactly. And then, of course, uh, Roger being the musician, Mark being the writer, and uh, Mimi and Tom having yeah. all their, like, every character having their own thing going on. is like, yeah, it's like there's always so much hustle and bustle and everything, and it's, I mean... Again, the whole, like you were saying, No Day But Today, that, that song, mm -hmm. is that, uh, I guess, another big takeaway is don't get hooked up on the small things that happened yesterday or the day before. Yeah. Because things can change and go completely off the rails if you try to, like, fixate on one little detail. Like, there's so much going on in the world, it's, hey, you know... Not to say that there's things should be forgotten. Yeah. Just things change, and you got some people. You have to adapt and you know move on with roll with the punches, as they say. Absolutely. All right. Well, I think that pretty much covers. I think. Yeah. And honestly, John, uh, if you're listening, man, uh, I really love your musical and everything. Just hope we got your message loud and clear. Mm -hmm. Love the movie. Love the music you did. Can't Thank wait to watch Boom Boom Boom. Uh, tick Tick Boom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Again, early morning. You're hearing a little bit of the sleepiness kick in. Yeah. So. Oh, and one more thing I want to add. Okay. Happy birthday. Oh, thank you. It's uh now my birthday's actually a little sadder now, knowing that uh, Jonathan Lars Larson. Jonathan Larson passed away on my birthday, and it's like, oh, that's awesome. But then again, that maybe in a way that's like something that actually kind of connects us. Exactly. So anyways, thank you everybody so much for listening. Um, just remember, no matter what your thing is or what you're into. At the end of the day, we're all just a little nerdy. <laughs>